I love notions, and I'm guessing that you do too. Hey there, friend. It's Carolina Moore, your favorite sewing and quilting YouTuber and now podcaster here with another episode. So I'm sitting here with Kate, and we're outside the H&H show. Yes. And you have a ruler. I do. Okay. So let's actually start at the beginning. Okay. You're a quilter. Where did this all start? Well, if we want to really talk about where I started quilting, I started quilting when I was a teenager. Ooh. So I had a cousin who's older than me. She was married and she was having a baby. So I thought, oh, a baby needs a quilt. But nobody in my family quilted. Okay. So I went to the local dry goods store. I bought flannel because I thought, oh, it's a baby. You need something soft. Yeah. So then I went home and I took a cereal box and I drew a square. Uh-huh. And I cut it out with scissors. And then I laid it on my flannel traced it with pencil yes, <laughs> and then cut out the squares. And, and then be- did that a hundred times? Oh, yes. And then because I had taken home ec, I sewed them all together with a five-eighths inch seam. Oh, perfect. Right. Yes. So because who knew yes. that there was such a thing as a quarter inch seam? Not in garment sewing. No. Then I didn't know. So anyway, and then when I was all done, I was like, now what do you do with it? So I, you know, put some batting with it. I sewed all the way around the edges. I turned it and I tied it with Girl Scout floss from a Girl Scout project. That's amazing. My very first ever quilt was uh-huh. also tied. Was it really? Yes. Yeah, yes, because yes. I didn't know what else to do. But that's what we actually did in those days. Yes. Like that was really, really normal for quilting. Right, right. So, I mean, it wasn't unusual and it was a quick and easy way to do it. And it was a baby quilt. Yes. So, yeah. So it was just squares sewn together. Um, yeah. So it was kind of fun. That was my very first quilt. Yay. Yeah. And you caught the bug. I caught the bug. Um, so I went to college and I tried to convince my college roommate that we needed matching quilts on our bed. <gasps> That's fun. <laughs> did, did it work? Um, sort of. I mean, hers never got finished until after she graduated college, but it was sort of there at the end of her bed for a while. Oh. But it was unfinished. Um, and then I made a quilt when I got married. Um, that one, I put a sheet on the back because I didn't know any better. Well, but I mean, Again. there's probably still a lot of people who use sheets. They're inexpensive. They're, right. You don't have to put a seam on them. Um, like the the thread count isn't ideal for quilting and it can right. cause if, some problems there. But, but it, it works. It works. And if that's what you have in your budget, then that's what you have in your budget. Right. Because you're newly married. You're young. You're just starting working. So, you know, it just made sense. And I, I was thinking of hand quilting it. And then I think I did about half of a square and said, oh, this isn't happening. And I tied it. <laughs> So it has like a half a square tied on there and the rest of it is just all tied. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And and to be honest, that quilt is now, unfortunately, they're they're long gone. Um, yeah. Because I had kids and I had dogs and I had whatever. And Because quilts know. are made to be used and that oh, one was absolutely. well loved. It was well loved. It was well loved. So I was self-taught for a very long time. And then I went to work. I was a nurse for 30 years. So I went to work at a visiting nurse agency mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of women quilted. Yes. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. So they directed me to my very first quilt class at a local shop that I knew nothing about. And you learned about a quarter inch seam. I learned about a quarter inch seam. <laughs> I did. And these ladies were very big into applique. Uh-huh. Um, so, but they would like... Was this hand applique, needle turn applique? Hand applique. Hand, the needle turn applique. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. So I got involved with them and we decided to form a little group and we were making quilts for each other. Okay. 
And so we kind of did this thing where each month it was a different person's turn. Mm -hmm. And when it was your turn, you handed everybody blocks to make for you. Oh, lovely. Yes. And we'd bring the blocks back all pieced, appliqued, quilted. Oh, wow. And then we'd sew them together during the meeting. And then you'd get the next block to make the next month. That's amazing. So basically every month you were making a quilt, but as a group. As a group. And then one of the months was yours. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's fabulous. I love that. And I still have that quilt. It was on my bed for a long, long time. Um, And I still have it, but it's starting to fall apart because it's been a while. Sure. Um, But what's really fun is on the back of everybody's block, I had given them a little heart to applique and they signed their name. Oh. So I can turn the quilt over and see all the names of the ladies who worked on it, some of which, of course, are no longer with us. Oh, that's just my heart. Isn't that fun? Yes. Yeah, it's a beautiful memory for me. Yes. Yeah. So that's how I sort of started getting into quilting. But then the group stayed together. And what we did was every year we made a quilt as a group and we would raffle it off and raise money for our patients so that we could pay for transportation to the doctor for a patient who didn't have it or an aide to stay with a family member so they could go to the doctor or something like that. So you were a guild basically without being an official guild and you had a mission and yes. you had a community. Exactly. And when I started, I was the newbie, of course, because I I hadn't even taken a class. But by the end, I was helping pick out the patterns. I was tweaking the patterns. I was helping pick out the fabrics. So it was a really great learning experience. And that's how I sort of fell into thinking, oh, wait, I like tweaking everything. Maybe I could design my own. Yes. Yeah. So that's how I got started. Kind of a long story, but. No, it's a great long. I love long stories. Like they're the best. Like when someone says it's a long story, that's the story I want to hear. Right. And then usually it's not a long story. It's just an uncomfortable story. But I like, I want to hear the long stories. (laughs) Well, because it's so interesting. We all come at it from a different place. Sometimes people have family members who quilted. Sometimes people just knew somebody or a neighbor or a grandmother or whatever. And my mom sewed, but she never quilted. So this was sort of, I just sort of fell into it and I loved it and I've been doing it ever since. So you started designing your own patterns? Yeah. So I um, left the VNA and I went to work at a nursing home and the woman I shared an office with, she was like the nursing department secretary. She was crafty. She'd made a few quilts and we kept talking about, wouldn't it be fun to do something other than work in a nursing home? (laughs) Right. So I told her how I wanted to design stuff and she's like, well, I could be the tester. And so that's how we started our business. And we called it seems like a dream quilt designs because it seemed like a dream to do something creative and was different than working in a but nursing home. But you spelled home. it S-E-A-M, seems like a dream. We just, oh, yes. We love a pun. Yes. Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I started the business. And our very first, very first pattern, we called it seems like a dream quilt designs. Yes. But our very first pattern was a bag. Uh-huh. And it was the cute little bag. It was called the four star tote. Okay. Kind of a prosaic name because there was, oh, wait, two stars on one side and two stars on the other side. So it had four stars. (laughs) But honestly, I love names that are descriptive because you don't have to remember, like, it's a tissue. Oh, it's a Kleenex. Right. No, no, no. Like, it's just a, like, it's a tissue because it's a tissue, right? Right. You just, you call it what it is. You call it what it is. Yes. Um, And it used five fat quarters. And we, our very first pattern, we managed to get in Keepsake Quilting catalog. Look at you go. Right. Because what we did was we ordered one of their fat quarter packs. Yes. Made the bag and sent it to them. (gasps) Smart girl. Yep. It was in there for like two years. 
So you made a million dollars and you were happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we all know pattern designing is not like that. But yes, it was great. It was it was something that launched us. Do yes. you know what I mean? So then from there, we learned all about, oh, quilt market. What's quilt market? Oh, it's a quilt trade show. You should go see what that is. So we went to quilt market and figured that out and figured out what it was. We got approached by a magazine who said, oh, would you like to put that in our magazine? Well, heck yeah, we would. We had quilt shops locally where we tried to sell them the patterns. And they said, oh, do you teach? And we said, sure, we teach. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will once we teach at your shop. <laughs> yes, we will. We will be teachers. <laughs> so, you know, we just sort of fell into it because when we started it, we were both working full time. I had three kids. Elizabeth had a kid. Um, and so we were doing this as our part-time sort of a hobby business. I mean, we took it seriously and we were making it a business and we were investing in our business and we were doing all sorts of new things. But at the same point in time, I had a full-time job and I had three kids and she had a full-time job and she had a kid. Um, yes. So it was definitely... Um, part-time. It did help pay for our fabric stash, which was good. <laughs> right. I find a lot of people when they get into the industry, it's like, well, it'll pay for my hobby. Right. And then at some point you have to make a decision of, okay, is this paying for my hobby or is this paying for my house? Right. And you look at it a little different when it's paying for your hobby because, okay, I'll buy less fabric this month versus you can't tell the mortgage company, oh, you know, I'm going to just pay a little less mortgage this month. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, I had to buy a little more extra fabric and I didn't make sell enough patterns to pay the mortgage. Right. Right. Yes. Yep. Yep. So interestingly, so we were doing this together, but we were doing it together in one state. Elizabeth moved twice. Then I moved across the country. Um, we had a wonderful opportunity to write a book with C&T Publishing. Oh, fabulous. It's called Smash Your Pre-Cut Stash. Okay. Because I am a bit of a pre-cut nut. I love pre-cuts. Who isn't? I know. My favorite, though, to be honest with you, is Fat Quarters. Because they're so versatile and you can use oh. them for anything. Right? And you can always cut them up into smaller sizes. Like if you need 10-inch squares, cut them into 10 inches. You need 5-inch squares, cut them into 5 inches. Exactly. You need 2.5-inch strips, cut them into 2.5-inch strips. Right. So you just need two of those strips to make one of the regular strips. I mean, it's perfect, right? Yep. Not and. When they put them in the little bundles and they tie them with the little ribbons and then some of them are like going in different directions and oh my gosh. I mean. And they're in like rainbow order or color gradient order. Yes, exactly. Like, so <laughs> collecting fabric and mm -hmm. sewing with fabric are two completely different hobbies. A lot of people have both hobbies, but they are two different hobbies. Right. And I would like someone to explain to me why mm -hmm. no one has ever asked a coin collector, like, when are you going to spend that money? money. Right. No but one they has asked ever asked a stamp, stamp collector, collector, when are you going to mail a letter with that stamp? Mm -hmm. But us fabric collectors, we get asked all the time, when are you going to make something with that fabric? Oh, I know. And one of the things I say in one of my lectures is exactly that. <laughs> I might have gotten it from there via via. <laughs> and I sit there and I say, now you are the curator of your collection. Yes. And you get to decide if that fat quarter bundle is part of your permanent collection and just there to make you happy, just like the painting on the wall. Nice. Or it can be like a temporary exhibit yes. that comes down and becomes a quilt or a bag or right. anything else. Or right. gets de-stashed. Or gets de-stashed, but either way, you get to choose what to do with it. Yes. You're the curator. Yes. So anyway, it was, um, it was a fun start. It was a great way to sort of dip into the business without it having to be my sole income generating. Um, but when my husband and I moved across the country. The deal was, if he was moving me across the country, I didn't have to work as a nurse, and I could invest in the business more. Okay. So, 
Yes. We all make these bargains at yes. some point of some kind, some kind of bargain. Like here's the deal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's when I started doing on my own more like magazine quilts. You know, we had done a few together, but I was starting to do more on my own. So I was doing more magazine quilts. I got classes on craftsy. I got a class on a couple classes on quilting daily. Um, I was actually just recently on a couple of love of quilting episodes, which was really fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. So I was trying to make it a real business. Well, you, you know? did make it a real business. Yes. I, I yes, I did. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes. But I, there's this, we talk about it sometimes on the industry that there's this imposter syndrome, right? Fake it till it's you make it. Huge. And that until someone like validates you that you are a business, it just feels like, okay, I've got this like pretend hobby because so many people who don't understand the quilting industry go, mm -hmm. oh yeah, she's got this little hobby. Right. And they don't, they don't know the dollars behind it, but they also don't know like the stress. I mean, you are doing as many, you're putting in as many hours as a CEO of a fortune 500. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, because it's considered crafty, it doesn't have the same value to other people. They don't perceive it the same way. It should, because it's not just crafty. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I think what we do when we're designers, we're designing quilt patterns, we're designing fabric, we're designing tools. You know, what we're doing is as, um, what's the word I want? As important in a way, but also as artistic and as intricate as an engineer or an artist. Yeah. And we are in our own way. We're quilt artists. Well, because it is a labor of love, doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's not still labor. Right. Right. And doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that's where we got. So So you're making pattern, you're writing patterns, yep. you were in magazines, and then at some point you decided I'm going to make some acrylic templates. So the book that I mentioned, yeah, CNT, Smash Your Pre-Cut Stash. So we made Quilts that used, you know, a jelly roll or charm squares or fat quarters, because I consider fat quarters pre-cuts. Oh, they are. Yes, absolutely. Um, because they come to me pre-cut. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. They're not on the bolt. No, nope, they're not on the bolt. Um, and I designed this one quilt that had a braid. Now, I had never made a braid before, but I designed a braid quilt. And they're gorgeous. If someone hasn't made a braid quilt before or seen them, like, you should look them up. I'll put links in the notes. Like, yeah, they're braids. They're fun. Yes. And they're versatile. And there's so many different things you can do with a braid once you've learned how to make it. Yes. And they look more complicated than they are. And I love that. When I get to make a project mm -hmm. that people are like, oh my gosh, you made that? How long did it take you? Yeah. Oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, it took a weekend. You don't want to know that. You don't want to know that, right? Yeah. And they're thinking, oh, it took months, mm -hmm. years of like tedious sewing. Right. But if you know the right techniques and yep. you have the right tools. It makes all the difference. Yes. Okay. So you made this braid quilt. So I made the braid quilt in the book. And in the book, we drew like a little diagram that you can use and cut out a template plastic. So, or, or out of a cereal box? Or out of a cereal box. <laughs> Good call. Um, or, you know, you probably could also like tape it off on your ruler. Yes. Um, but after I did it, I thought, you know, I want to make more braid quilts, but I don't always want to have to make the same size. Yes. So what can I do to have something that will make multiple different size braids? Yes. So I came up with a tool. And so it's the shape of a braid piece with an angle. Yes. And it's got lines on both sides. So it's got lines on the straight side and yep. lines on the angled side. Okay. So what that allows you to do is it allows you to cut different size braids. The smaller you cut your braid, the skinnier your braid is. The wider, the longer you cut your braid piece, the wider your braid ends up. 
I love that you have one tool to do all the sizes. Like if I want to do a big one, I don't need another, I don't need like a small, medium, large. I don't need a two inch, a three inch, a four inch, a five inch. One tool is going right. to rule them all. Right. So the tool um, works with strips up to three inches wide. Okay. And then it cuts pieces from five and three quarter inches up to eight and a half. Okay. Yeah, so it's got lines like for all the quarter inches in between. Yes. Um, so it works out really well. So you can make braids with skinny strips. Mm -hmm. You can make braids with fatter strips. You can make braids with skinny strips that are skinny braids or wide braids. So it just gives you some versatility. You can even combine skinny strips with white strips. And a braid doesn't require any curves or any Y seams. So no. it actually is just simple straight piecing, but looks like... Yes. You're a rock star. Yeah. So I have this one table runner. It's called Table Scraps because, oh, wait, that. I made it out of my scraps. And it goes on a table. <laughs> and it goes on a table. Love a pun. <laughs> <laughs> and what's really fun is that, so you make a braid and then you just trim it. Okay. Right? So you make this long braid. And I like to call sewing braids Sunday sewing. Because yes. all you do is add a piece and press it. Then you add another piece and press it. And then you add another piece and press it. There are no points to match. If your quarter inch is a little Wait, bit off. No points to match. No points you to match. You are speaking my language. Right. Because all you do is just line up your two straight edges and then sew. And then you just press it and you add another piece. And because you've already cut the angle, you can see the sides of your braid, which nice. is really cool. And then you can just trim it. And so if you're a little bit off on the edges, you trim what I like to call the wobbly bits. The wobbly bits. The wobbly bits. You just trim the wobbly bits. You just trim off the bottom. You trim off the top. And you've got a perfect square or a perfect rectangle, whatever it is you need for your braid project. You can spend all Sunday just sewing together a braid, watching Netflix, watching whatever, right. watching a video. And at the end, you have this braid. And when people say, what are you going to do with that? You can say, I don't know yet because it might become a table runner. It might become a quilt. You might can become put it into a, anything. Right. It might become a placemat. Yeah. Right. Oh, fabulous. Or, think about it. When I was just teaching one of my classes with the braid yes. this past week at a guild, this woman had bought a panel. So she took the class. We were making table runners. And she said, I hope you don't mind. I'm not going to make a table runner. I said, I don't care what you make. It's Most fine. teachers won't mind. Yeah. She wanted to surround a panel with a braided border. Oh, clever. Right? And you just need to put like one on the top, one on the bottom, and then one on each side, or one on each side, and then one on top, and then one on the bottom, and you're right. done. Just and you're like done. Borders. Exactly. So you could just make braided borders, and you can decide as you're making them, do I want my braid, you know, to go up one side, and then do I want to break in the corner as it goes along the top, or do I want to do something that, you know, pulls them together? I mean, there's just so many options. Sure. So one of the things we were going to do with her, cause she and I sort of hashed out what she was going to do. So she was going to add a you know, a small framing border around her panel. Mm -hmm. It was going to be a light fabric. And then she was going to add that light fabric to the beginning and end of her braid. So the braid kind of floated oh. around the panel. Oh. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. And you can like create your own gradients and oh my gosh, rainbows. and You can add squares in them. I mean, there's just so many different things you can do to a braid. So you can cut squares that are the same width as your braid pieces. Mm -hmm. And so you add the squares to all the braid pieces on one side. And then when you sew the braid pieces together, you get a square going up almost like a diamond through the middle. What? Yeah. Very cool. This is craziness. Yeah. So it's just, it's a fun technique. And I think what I like most about it is that a beginner can do it. It yeah. can look complicated, but 
If their quarter inch is just a hair off, it doesn't matter. So if their strip isn't quite long enough and the pattern said, use 16 pieces and they use 16 and it doesn't work, well, then just add two more. What's there the big go. deal? Right? You just add two more pieces. My favorite seam allowance is the quarter inch-ish. Yes. Like it might be a little scant. It might be a little generous. I don't know. Right. But that I don't have to worry about that. Right. And that it's still going to look amazing. Yes. And that someone who looks at it, they can't tell. They can't tell. Because that's another thing that we quilters, you know, oh, that looks amazing. Yeah, but I had to add two strips. They'll never know. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. I know. And I had somebody email me and say, you know, my braid wasn't quite as long as you said it would be. And I said, that's okay. That's just because you have your own personal quarter inch. Add two more pieces. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right? Easy peasy. You know, when you're first, especially first learning to quilt, right? Yes. And you learn all about when I have an angled piece and I'm laying things right sides together and I'm matching up edges and I come out on something that's got an angle, there's a little notch there. Well, what if you miss the notch, right? Yes. Well, if you're doing a braid and you've cut your pieces, then you just trim those little edges off and little bits that you're off aren't going to matter because you just trim it to size. A nice. little bit off here, a little bit off here, you're good. It looks perfect. Nice. And what's really fun is when you cut a braid, and, and it's hard because you can't see what I'm talking about, but when you cut a braid, Sometimes you get at the bottom of your cut or at the top, a tiny little triangle. Yes. And your friends will look at your table runner or your quilt and say, how did you piece that tiny little triangle in there? <laughs> yes. They don't know that all you did was make a braid and whack it off. Yep. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you'll say, I'm that good. I'm that good. Exactly. I'm just that good. Now, I do have to admit that I do have a second braid, and that's because... I wanted to make a little braid to use like as a, um, like, like an accent. Braid. Yeah, like an accent on Ooh. a bag. Yes. I also did it um, as a headband. Oh, nice. You know, just made a braid and then put some elastic at the bottom. Sure. Yeah. Um, I did it on a tote bag. So I wanted to make a smaller one. And I realized that if I tried to put the lines on the big one, there'd be overlapping lines. So you'd have straight lines on top of angled lines and it would be... Too much. Too much and confusing. Yeah. So I did come and out with a And not everybody little... wants to do itty-bitty piecing. Like, right. itty-bitty piecing, there are some of us who love itty-bitty piecing, and there's some of us who never want to see itty-bitty piecing in our life. Right. And that's okay. So you've made one from just for the itty-bitty piecers. Exactly. So it makes, like, these little tiny braids. And you can use an inch strip or an inch and a half strip. And what's really funny is making those braids is no harder than making the bigger braids. Because all it is, is you just sew a straight line and press it. And sew a straight line and press it. You just, again, look like a rock star. Exactly. <gasps> you piece that tiny stuff. How did you not go blind? Right. And people think that it looks so complicated. Like, oh my gosh. The only difference is, is when you're using smaller pieces or especially skinnier braid strips, it takes more braid pieces it to get longer. the length. Yeah. It takes longer to get the length, but it's no harder. It's just straight line sewing. Yeah. So it's perfect when you're just sitting there on a Sunday afternoon and you've got a podcast on or a movie on or whatever, and you just do, 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 so, do, 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 so, yeah. Now, I was looking at your site, and the braid template is not your only template, is it? No, I have also a drunkard's path template. Okay, so for people who want to do curves. Yes, so for people who want to do curves. So here's the funny story about that. Okay. So have you ever heard of the Quilter's Planner? Yes. Okay. So the Quilter's Planner came out and I submitted a quilt to the Quilter's Planner and it was a drunkard's path. 
Mm-hmm. And again, I had never done a drunkard's bath. <laughs> well, I mean, just throw your hat over the fence and do it. Like, right. So, I mean, right. Why not? All right. And you can ex- do braids. You can do anything. Exactly. That's what I figured, right? So they accepted it. So I had to figure out how to do it. Well, the drunkard's path that I drafted, there wasn't a template for that size. Gosh darn it. I know. So I did the quilt. I did it with template plastic. It was just fine. fine. You can do that. It's fine. But then, and it was in the quilter's planner. And then a few, you know, after the planner had been out a while, the rights reverted back to me. Yes. And I thought, all right, I want to put this out as a pattern and I want to do a second quilt with it. So I want a template. Yes. So that's what I did. Well, and we're quilters. We need all the notions. We need all the templates. You know, somebody asked me the other day, because when I was teaching them to do the braid, and she said, well, Kate, couldn't I do this with my regular ruler? And I said, of course you can. And that's why I give you a diagram. You could absolutely do it with your regular ruler. It's just harder. Any template, its job is to make something easier. Yes. So when people sit there and say, oh, well, I have a regular ruler. I can figure this out. You're right. You can. Sure. But the template just makes it easier. Yep. Just, you know. I was just having a conversation with someone of like, well, what do you value more? Right. Like, do you value your time Mm -hmm. or do you value your money? Right. Because you trade a little bit of your money for this template and now you've got a bunch of time back. Exactly. Because you don't have to figure it out. Yep. Um, And I think that's what the job is of any template or any ruler. It's just to make your life easier. Quilting, original quilting, was pieces of cardboard or pieces of paper templates that were traced onto fabric, that were cut with scissors, and that were sewn together by hand. And now we use acrylic templates, and Mm -hmm. we cut them with rotary cutters, and we sew them together with sewing machines. So Mm -hmm. our tools have gotten fancier, Mm -hmm. and that helps us be more accurate Yes, and put it together faster. Exactly. But the purpose is still the same, and anyone can still go get paper templates and use scissors and hand sew it. That's still a valid way to make a quilt. None of these other tools are invalidating the other way. No. But it's just accommodating all the other things we want to do in our life. Well, exactly. And and it's a trade-off. And you get to decide. Each person gets to decide for themselves. Absolutely. Which way do I want to go? Do you know what I mean? Like, which thing am I going to use? And I think what's fun about some templates, some make a certain specific thing, right? Yes. Um, and mine, obviously, a braid template or my drunkard's path make a specific thing. But what I love about the braid is that you can be so creative with it on your own. You don't necessarily need me to help you make a quilt because you could sit there and say, all right, I learned how to make the braid from Kate. And I maybe I made her table run or I made one of her quilts. But now I know what to do. So now I can apply my creativity and do something new and different with it. Yep. And you've given them away, given all of us away to take our scraps and turn them into larger usable pieces. Now my scraps become a border. Now my scraps become Mm -hmm. a bag. Now my scraps become, my scrap become usable strips of fabric. Yep. One of the ladies who took a class for me a couple of years ago at a guild, she came with all leftover fabrics that were Christmas fabrics because over the years she has made all of her kids and grandkids a Christmas quilt. And she had this huge thing of leftover pieces. So she cut them all into two and a half inch strips. She didn't have a full strip of most of it, but that's all right. She just folded it in half, cut the braid pieces that she could, and just made these scrappy table runners with Christmas fabric for everybody for the holidays. This Oh, I know. Isn't that fun? That is so fun. I know. I tried to see if I could get on the list. (laughs) (laughs) yes there there are some quilters that need to adopt me i agree i'm with you yeah yeah Yeah. so um but yeah 
I love watching people be creative with this. Like the woman who wanted to do a border, this woman who wanted to make them all Christmas quilts. Um, I had a woman who was going to make her own braid quilt and she decided it was kind of going to go, and it's hard to describe, but it was going to go up one side, cross the top, down, over the bottom, and then come in almost. So like a snail, like a snail shell. Yes. Yeah, sort or of spiral. Like, or a spiral. Yes, yep. exactly. And I thought, oh, won't that be cool? Yes. I know. I think that as notion designers, that is mm -hmm. one of the best things is that we come up with this idea and we say, okay, I'm going to solve this problem that exists in this industry because yes. I've experienced it. I want it to be fixed and no mm -hmm. one else out there is fixing it. So right. I'm going to fix it. Mm -hmm. And so we come up with a solution. Yes. And then once we put this solution into other quilters hands, mm -hmm. they say, Oh, did you know that it does this? Mm -hmm. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, and did you know you could do this with this? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Right. And almost like shamefully, we get to take a little bit of credit for that, but right. not really. But I mean, it's like you have all these children out in the world that you yes. helped. I don't know. I mean, and it's like it's like quilting midwifery, I guess, to yes. create these products that everyone else gets to give birth to these creations with. Exactly. And what I love about it is I love when quilters take my pattern and do something different with it. You know, like yeah. I've had people take a classroom and they'll, they'll come up and they'll say, now, Kate, I didn't pick the same fabrics as you. I say, that's perfect. Oh, because yeah. I want you to pick fabrics that talk to you, not what I put on the cover. Yes. And I can't wait to see what you do that's different, how this inspired you to be more creative. So I have learned mm -hmm. that when quilters are picking the fabrics that are on the cover, I feel like the, well, so my experience says that the big reason that quilters are picking the fabrics that are on the cover mm -hmm. is because a quilt is going to take you a long time. It's right. going to take hours, days, weeks, yep. maybe months. And if I'm going to put hours, days, weeks, months, in addition to all those dollars into mm -hmm. this project, I want to know that, it's that the work. end project is going to look good. Yes. And if I pick the same fabrics on the cover, then it'll look like the cover quilt and it'll look good. Mm -hmm. But the other side, and, and good, I mean, we all want our things to look good. Right. But the quilters who pick their own fabrics, they want it to have their personality. Exactly. And your personality will always look good. Your personality is always in style. Right. So, and if you're and so many quilters, that's the hardest thing, right? Now, of course, I'm also now a fabric designer. So of course I love it when they pick the fabrics I pick sure. because it's, oh wait, my fabric now. Yes. But the other thing is you do want them to find their own style. And I think one of the best tips you can give someone is if they're looking at a quilt on a cover and they're trying to pick their own fabrics and they want to make sure it's going to look good, pay attention to value. Yes. So your darks, your lights, your right. mediums. Yeah. Yep. So, and how they play together and, and play it, off each other. Exactly. So look where the designer put the lights, medium and dark. Do you like where she put them? You just want different colors. Then use colors you like, but follow her value placements. Yes. And you'll know that your colors will work for that quilt because you follow the same value. This is a great tip because you can have a quilt that is red and blue. Yes. And if it's a like a dark solid red and mm -hmm. like a solid like navy to Kelly blue, mm -hmm. that red and blue will read as the same, same color. Exactly. And so your quilt will be very flat. Yes. But if instead you use like that dark, dark mm -hmm. red, like a blood red, mm -hmm. but then picked a light blue, now the yep. red is popping off the blue. Or if you right. chose like a much lighter shade of red, like almost a pink, and then your navy, now yes. they're popping, popping off each other. Right. Because we all, we know the statement that, you know, color gets all the credit, value does all the work. Yes. I haven't actually heard that. So Color gets all the credit. Value does, does all, all the work. work. 
what else in my life do I know that, that follows this model? Okay. <laughs> Color gets all the credit. Value does all the work. Yes. Right. And I think that it's mostly true. Sure. But, you know, one of the things I love to talk about, I love to talk about color. I just think it's so much fun. And I love to tell people, look, I was a nurse. I wasn't trained in color. No. I wasn't trained as an artist or I didn't go to design school. Most of us aren't trained in color. Right. Exactly. But we, we learn little bits over time by experimenting. And your stash is really good for experimenting and yep. using patterns where you can just do some scrappy stuff allows you to experiment with color and value and how colors play off of each other. The thing I like to tell people is take a picture of it because yep. for some reason, the picture will mm -hmm. read different. Like the eye of my camera sees different than the eye in my head. Yes. So even when the eye in my head is looking at the picture that the mm -hmm. eye that my camera gave, yeah. it looks different. It does. So when you see something and you think, okay, I think so, take a picture of it and look at that picture. Yeah. And then as a benefit, when you later go, oh, what was I looking at? You have a picture to reference. Yes. And now cell phone photos, I mean, it costs us nothing. Yeah. Digital photos cost nothing to make. Exactly. You know, digital is free, right? Yep. So, um, and a good way to, too, when you're picking out fabrics and if you're thinking about value, I mean, we've all heard that you take the black and white photo. Yes. So that you can see the value change. But part of doing that also is as you take a picture of those fabrics and you do see them differently. I don't know if it's because it's small and it's almost like we're farther away now. Could be. Right? I'm not sure. I feel like the photos also flattened it. Yes. So you've removed all the dimension from the photo. Right. And the other thing, too, is because it's flattened it, because you're not as focused now on the exact blue in that flower matches the exact blue in the background yes. of this. You're less focused on that, and you can see them as a whole. Because how many times do you put a quilt together... And this blue matches the blue in this pattern beautifully. And these look so beautiful together. And then you put them in the quilt and you think, meh, meh. it didn't come out They're so not good. playing well. They're not playing well because usually we overmatch. Mm. We don't, we, we match them so much, we, we lose the value change. Yes. And the value change is what allows those design elements to stand out. Yes. Right? You did all that extra piecing to get little stars or little whatevers to show up. And then you can't even see it. It all just blends in. It all just blends in. Yep. So I think your your tip of, of taking the photograph is huge. Because especially if you take a picture of all the fabrics, you don't want them to look like they've all blended together and they coordinate beautifully. You want to see some value change. We right? all have a scrappy quilt. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And you need that. The other fun color tip is to think about the unexpected visitor. Okay. So you're making a quilt. Let's just say you're making a quilt and it's primarily blues. Okay. And there's a few little colors. Maybe you have a print in there with some other colors in it, but it's blues and it's greens and everything else. And you're looking at it and everything coordinates really great. Yes. But when you take that picture, you realize it's a little flat. A little monochromatic. Yeah. Right. And monochromatic can be good. But you, you need massive value change for it to really work. But the other thing that's kind of fun sometimes is pick a color that maybe either is in the print or is a complement to one of the colors in the print and add just a little bit of it in. Maybe you add it in as a star point. Okay. Right? Or if you're doing flowers, it's the center of the flowers. And Ooh. that unexpected color suddenly lets everything else shine. Nice. And because you've given... Like the funny thing that I also find is that sometimes I'll pick a fabric and I'll be like, oh, this isn't really what I want, but it's what I have. Yes. So I'll put it in. But once you sew all the pieces together, mm -hmm. 
because the act of stitching has made it intentional. Mm -hmm. And so the act of it being intentionally there mm -hmm. makes it fit. Yes. Yes. There is that too. Absolutely. Yep. And I think it's just kind of getting out of the matchy head and, you know, thinking about how can I just give it a little interest and being careful about where you place it so that it doesn't take over, but it just complements everything else and lets everything else shine. Nice. Yeah. I love that idea. You yeah. Know? So I remember learning little bits about color makes such a difference. It really does. And it makes you feel more confident. Yes. Um, in a project and confident to buy all those things to be able to make the project knowing, mm -hmm. okay, this doesn't look like the cover, but it's going to be great. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And so you just get your clues from the quilt that is there and you think less about color and more about value. I wonder if it would work to, I'm just thinking about this. Sure. Um, I wonder if it would work is if you have a picture of a cup, you know, you have a cover quilt and you want to make it, but you want different colors. If you took a black and white of it, because then you would be picking colors Based purely off value. value. I wonder if that would work. I have no idea. That'd I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> All right. Someone needs to try that and let us know how it works. Yes, absolutely. We'd love to hear. All right, Kate, it's been so fun chatting with you and I hope Thank everyone you. else has enjoyed this conversation as well. I've had so much fun talking with you. Oh, not only did we learn about your braid template and we all want to run out and go make braids now, but we've learned about color and value. And this is why I love having conversations with quilters because usually I know them from one thing. Like you right. do this one thing, but really as quilters, we do so many things. Yes. And we get to find out so many other things as well. Yes. So, well, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yay. Friends, that's our episode for today. I hope you loved it as much as I loved having this conversation. Remember that you can find all the details that we talked about in the show notes. And those are all at ilovenotions.com. And make sure to leave this podcast a review in your favorite podcasting app. Leaving it a review will help the podcast algorithm show this podcast to other people who love notions just as much as we do. Friends, that's all I have for you today, but I will see you right here real soon. Bye for now.